Welcome to the BCMA podcast. I'm your host, Lorenda Calvert, and today we're talking to Cheryl Hendrickson from the Britannia Mine Museum about food services. This podcast is part of our Financial Sustainability Week. Financial Sustainability Week is sponsored by the First West Credit Union. You can learn more about them in the description. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do you mind introducing yourself to the listeners? Hi, um, my name is Cheryl Hendrickson. I am the executive director of the Britannia Mine Museum on the Sea to Sky Highway, just south of Squamish. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your, your role? Yes, so I have been with the Britannia Mine Museum for five years, four and a half years front of house manager, which incorporates the admissions, cafe and retail services. And in the last six months, I have been promoted to the executive director position, overseeing all departments um, that in, involved in, the, in running the museum. Congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, now, as I said in my intro today, we're talking about food services. Um, so it's my understanding that Britannia Mine Museum does have food services? That's correct. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you wanna tell us a little bit about them? I do. So I, I came from the airport environment. I was director of retail uh, for HMS Host, which is a large American company of food and beverage and retail in airports and um, road stops. I joined the museum, um, semi-retired, uh, asked if I would come up to take a look at the guest services uh, business plan and, and assist maybe possible well, developing it a little bit further. So I took this position on two days a week and one of the, the weaknesses at the museum, considering where we are mm -hmm. situated or located mm -hmm. on the Sea to Sky Highway, there's not a lot around for, um, for food stops, bathroom stops. So we did offer in the summer months only a small selection of hot and cold beverages, potato chips, chocolate bars, and purchased sandwiches from a third party. So we didn't make a lot of money on them. It was there just as a, an offering for our guests. This also was a location that was on site, which meant you had to pay admission to come on site to get any of these items. And that was a, a bit of a downfall. After analyzing the situation and knowing that we had a building that was accessible from the street, also accessible from the museum site, I discussed with the executive director turning that into our food and beverage location and allowing people to purchase things off the street. They didn't have to pay the admission fee. That went so well and we did keep it open year round. Uh, it, the, the success of it was so, so great that we um, applied for some funding and we were able, we got some capital funding to convert the, the building, this heritage building into uh, a Chatterbox Cafe, which used to be a, a, ca a cafe on site, hmm. sorry, on the mine site before it was a museum. And oh, it was, the, yeah, and it was called the Chatterbox Cafe. Oh, that's so fun. I love that. Yeah. So we, we've named it the Chatterbox Cafe and we have now opened it one year ago, reopened it one year ago mm -hmm. as a, a full on um, espresso, um, when I say special coffee, obviously not alcohol special coffee, um, but uh, you know, Americanos, espressos, uh, lattes, 
cappuccinos, um, ice drinks, and we have a full service um, sandwich prep on site. Um, we do buy our pastries from a location in Vancouver, from a supplier in Vancouver, uh, but everything else we, we do in-house. And now it's open to the street um, clientele as well as our museum clientele. Now, for those who haven't been to your location, um, can you elaborate a little bit more? Because I, I know, because uh, I've been to, to the uh, my museum, why having access from the street um, is so beneficial. So we're located at, in Britannia Beach, which is was a, a very active town many, many years ago when the Britannia mine was a, an active copper mine that provided 16% of the world's copper to Commonwealth countries. When the mine closed in 1974, the town around it also pretty much disappeared because there wasn't employment. So it was pretty much like a ghost town. Some people did stay around. And then over 25 years ago, there was a, a, a horrible flood in Britannia Beach and, and many houses got washed away. And people, I think, I, I, I'm speculating here, I think they probably cashed in on their insurance and, mm. and moved away. So Britannia Beach as a town is very small and there, there is nothing there. There isn't a general store. There was a post office, but it's now closed and we've taken on the post office role just to accommodate the, the locals that are there. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there was just nothing. There was no um, washroom stops, uh, nothing. And yet a lot of people read Britannia Beach on a map and drive to Britannia Beach thinking they're going to see a fabulous beach on the side of the highway. Mm -hmm. So there's many people that come to Britannia Beach for the location, not for the museum. And then those that come to Britannia Beach for the museum, obviously they, it's an hour, hours plus drive from the city and to not have anywhere to even get a coffee or a cold drink or a sandwich, it, it doesn't, it just wasn't working. So it, by us, um, offering this service, it certainly has enhanced um, visitation, whether people come up just to the Chatterbox Cafe and have lunch or whether people come into our museum and then the food service is there. Oh, that's fantastic. I can also imagine because you are on the Sea to Sky, which takes um, folks up towards Squamish and Whistler and Pemberton and beyond, um, but it's a, a nice stop uh, if you are going somewhere further, if, you're, if your end destination isn't just Britannia Beach, but if you are going further, but you want to stretch your legs, uh, like you said, it's about an hour or an hour and a half or two hours, I guess, depending on traffic that uh, day from Vancouver, like that's a perfect amount of time for someone to have to need a bathroom break, um, especially if it's been a long time for traffic. So that's, uh, I think that's fantastic and, and does help set the scene for any of our listeners uh, who haven't traveled to Sea to Sky and aren't familiar with the Britannia Mine Museum. Um, so you got funding, you, you did some renovations, um, and now you're accessible by, from the street. Um, that's absolutely fantastic. Have you seen the uptick in visitation um, from customers solely for, for your cafe services? Yes, and, and again, um, you know, oh my goodness, planning's one thing, and of course, who would have expected the pandemic? Oh. And the intent, to your point, was in, in the winter months when the museum is very quiet, we, the intent was to be open early in the morning to catch that 
the, the skier traffic going up to Whistler, mm-hmm. um, any of the courier traffic, people going up for a drive to your point to Pemberton, um, any of any of that traffic we were hoping to catch. Um, of course, we we tried that and we did see an uptake for sure when Whistler did open. But the minute Whistler closed, like this year when we were just open to local traffic, um, we saw our traffic drop immediately. I think that was in April when when the new provincial health order came up to local traffic only, mm-hmm. and Whistler closed their doors. So for the season, so um, we definitely saw a drop in business. So we know there is business there. I will give you a number in um, August, 2018, when we had a cafe on site, we had a record month of visitation and our food and beverage sales in round numbers was $6,000 for the month of August. Wow. past August with street traffic and reduced visitation due to the provincial health order capacity. Our numbers coming through the door are down, but we did over $24,000 in our cafe. Wow. Yes. So that just says it all, I think. It really does, I, I, because the theme of, of this week is financial sustainability. Um, that's why I was so excited to chat with you about food services and how um, how that can be a, a revenue stream. And I think that really underlines it, especially when that's, um, as you said, a pandemic year, when visitation is limited, we aren't getting uh, the international tourism that BC normally does. Um, there was limitations on um, interregional travel as well as um, people's comfort levels in in going into establishments or stopping at restaurants. That's amazing. Yeah, we're very happy with it. And and so obviously it's the spend per head that's, you know, increasing because we're not, um, we're not getting the public that, that, you know, to your point, the travel trade isn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, Our numbers aren't there, but we are very happy with what we've done in both retail and food and beverage. We're very satisfied with our numbers. Now, when you say spend per head, for those who aren't familiar with that term, could you elaborate on that a little bit for us? So we take our overall um, revenue of the cafe and we divide it by how many paid admissions that we have coming through the door. Before the whole renovation uh, and all of that, as you said, that was $6,000 that you said, was that, is that correct? That's right. Yes. So this the spend for per head then would have been cents? I think it was about 60 cents. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's such a huge increase. And do you have I know that nobody knows what the future holds, but do you have estimated projected numbers for um now that international travel uh has reopened, um hopefully by next summer um things would be a lot calmer. We're seeing a lot more folks coming in and moving around. Do you have a guess on what that might increase to? Oh, I, I definitely, I feel we could double it. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel we could double it. We were, again, due to the pandemic, I will mm-hmm. also add that we didn't go without our um, struggles with team members, just not having people available. You know, we sure. have people, um, they either didn't show up or they got another job. Again, we're in a very, uh, you know, <laughs> not appealing place we don't have a bus stop there, there isn't a you know we're not on bc transit um you have to have a car to get to us 
um, you know, there's a lot of difficulties um, mm -hmm. in, in working at Britannia Mine Museum. If you're a young student, which we would love to hire, but if you don't have a driver's license, how do you get to us? Mm -hmm. So we know we could have even done better than those numbers this August if we could have stayed open. Now, I will tell you our hours of operation. So mm -hmm. we open at seven in the morning and we, we opened until five o'clock. Our museum this summer was open till seven. Oh. And the amount of people that still would stop in at five, five thirty-six o'clock on their way to Whistler, on their way to Squamish, on the way to Pemberton, that would have loved to have stopped and got a coffee, um, used our facilities. We, we missed a huge opportunity, but we just didn't have the people to keep mm -hmm. the cafe open past five o'clock. Mm -hmm. No, so that does bring me to another question. I was really curious to know if your food services staff are solely food services, like are they all, their own little section of your staff roster? Are the people who work in food services also interpreters? Uh, what does that look like? So our, our the way we have our um, teams um, is our um, front of house teams mm -hmm. uh, are admissions, food and beverage and retail, and they do cross over. Everybody is trained, all but I think two people are not trained with their foods, not food service. Uh, oh yeah, um, food safe, I'm sorry, with food safe. Mm -hmm. So that is something that we do um, require and request because we don't have as much a problem getting people to work in the retail store, we, what we try to do is ask our newcomers, we pay for their food safe and um, we ask them to get their food safe, but then train them secondary in both admissions and retail. That's nice. Mm -hmm. So they do, they're all cross-trained, all but two mm -hmm. members. Mm -hmm. And and for the cafe, when you I know you said specialty coffees, are are they coming with like Starbucks barista training? Are they using really fancy um, espresso machines? Are they do you do you have are you looking for people with chef backgrounds um, who are also going to be working admissions and gift shops? Okay, so we we assemble food and we have okay. a, a panini. We don't do any like we're not a hamburger. We don't have a deep fryer, nothing like that. We're not that kind of fast food service. We're strictly paninis, sandwiches made on site, um, breakfast sandwiches. Our breakfast sandwiches are fabulous. Um, so we don't need a chef, but we do have uh, I, I can say food assemblers. They assemble sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Um, do make uh, all that we have a you know a, a very lovely espresso machine everyone's mm. trained on that um, we've had a number of people on our team this, this summer we had a fabulous gentleman that was trained by Starbucks and I know from my um, experience from the airport is Starbucks has a tremendous um, training mm -hmm. so yes we we've you know lucked out with uh, having a couple of team members that have been trained by Starbucks and um, it, it's yeah it, it's just fabulous the way it's working out that's amazing. I do. I do think that um, as someone who has previously had to schedule uh, staff members, it's great when you have folks who are trained in multiple roles. Um, you know, if people have an exam that pops up and um, an illness, uh, other commitments, vacation, uh, that you're not scrambling to find someone else who has uh, that training or who's done food safe or whose food safe hasn't expired. Uh, so I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. I would love to know if if there was a museum listening and they were thinking about doing food services maybe they have a cafe but it's not really meeting the goals that they were hoping for do you have any advice for them well um listen to your guests 
Mm. Yeah, find out what your guests would like. And that's what um, I did with the Britannia Mine Museum. I did some surveys. If we offered more, would you come here? Would you spend money? Um, what, what are you looking for? And uh, it was cappuccinos, lattes. They wanted something other than a drip coffee, mm-hmm. wanted, wanted sandwiches. Um, you know, we, we still do get people, oh, we really wanted a burger. No, oh, I was gonna add, we also do soup in the winter. Oh. Yeah, so we do, you know, a soup and sandwich. So there is something warmer to eat in the winter. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, a lot. I asked our guests what they were looking for, and we we recorded all of that. And that's so we put the menu together based on what our guests were looking for, but also what we could afford mm-hmm. and what we had the the space for. So the the, the building that that we took, which was the um, traditional first aid building of the museum, and we turned it into the cafe and admissions. So admissions is one side and cafe is the other. Um, we didn't have room for, let's say, a deep fryer or, you know, mm-hmm. a full on kitchen. So so what my advice is take a look at what your building space is, what you can build out to be and be realistic about it. And you, I still till this day get these people get guests say, oh, I really just didn't want a sandwich or soup. I wanted something more than that. You can't be everything to everybody. So, you know, ask your guests what do do a survey find out what's going, what they would like. I love that. Um, I, something just also popped in my head because uh, I feel like I don't have any anywhere to base this. How did you, like, h- how do you go about setting the price for items as well? So again, from my retail background and my background mm. from the airport and working with food and beverage with, with within HMS Host, um, it's all it's it's costing it's getting down to I I can tell you a breakfast sandwich you get um 24 frozen egg patties at x amount and Mm -hmm. your your English muffins are at x amount and it's it's an equation you sit down and break it all down and figure out that your team member at you know I I can minimum wage or 25 dollars an hour whatever you pay them they can make six in 15 minutes and and it, it, it's a cost accounting you've got to sit down and figure it out and um and work it out when you're actually assembling food on the other hand are we don't of course make muffins or or bake cookies or anything like that we bring them in from a supplier and that's of course very easy because the cost of a you know chocolate chip cookie might be a dollar five or 95 cents mm-hmm. and and then when it comes to retailing that um I've actually done my homework and I there's a number of attractions out there that buy from the same suppliers as us. And we've done our price comparison. We're a little bit less expensive than some of the larger attractions in the city. We're a little bit more expensive than maybe a mom pa shop in, in a smaller, you know, um, mm-hmm. smaller town. So we we don't want people to come to the museum and, and feel that because it's a destination that we're ripping them off on the food service because we're mm-hmm. certainly not. We, we checked all of our competitors and we, we've offered our pricing. Our pricing is fair, but um, we've also made sure that our costing is accurate. And I, which is so, so interesting. Um, and I, I, I have a second question, but my first question, um, I guess it's more, more of a comment. I, I think that also comes back to knowing and evaluating what your, um, what your public's interest is. Like if, if you are pricing out because you're imagining that you're gonna be doing sit down lunches and dinners, um, 
buffet style, maybe, because you've got mm-hmm. the space for that. Amazing. That would be really cool. Um, but your visitors don't want to sit down that they're looking for something grab and go. You've priced out this like $25 per head meal, um, but no one's interested in purchasing it. So then you then you you know aren't meeting your revenue targets. Um, then you, you know what's the sustainability of this cafe? So knowing also what your your audience is and what they're looking for helps then shape that um, that pricing because then you know what you're pricing out. Exactly. I mean, you 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 have to look at what your location is and who's going to come by. I mean, I look at the Vancouver Art Gallery and honestly, I go there for lunch myself and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to go to the gallery, but if I'm downtown and it's like, well, you know what, we'll just go to the art gallery for lunch. And so they, they cater to a lunch crowd. They cater to a downtown lunch crowd. So, I mean, their restaurant, uh, you know, is fabulous. Mm-hmm. But that's not us. We're, we're not, we're not that, um, you know, that museum. And I'm, I'm really clear on that. I, I, like I say, understand who your guest is. Mm-hmm. Um, now the second question I had, uh, because I find your background so interesting that you are coming from an airport background. Have you, through your, your uh, experience, gleamed any insight into the way that we, as a populace, eat, the way that we experience cafes, restaurants, and food? Um, I just think that's very interesting. I will tell you that I, it is very interesting because, um, and I'm, I've worked in a number of airports across Canada because I was the director of retail for Canada for HMS host. Mm-hmm. And so we were very, um, one of our um, successes was because we looked at each city where our, our retail and food and beverage was, and we catered to, you know, like in Toronto, we had restaurants that, and chefs that had come out of Toronto, and that's what we put into Toronto airport, and the same as Vancouver airport, and Edmonton airport, um, Halifax, so we really focused on the local market, but I will tell you the, um, the mo- one of the most interesting things that comes out of this every day is when people are traveling, mm-hmm. they look for comfort food. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, bags of chips and pops still sell. Of course. That's, you know, still going to be your biggest chocolate bars. It's that, it's that I'm on the road. Nobody sees me. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not being judged. I can buy this bag of chips and a, and a tin of Coke and um, away I go. Which is so funny because my my comfort, like travel, tourism, doing things on the ferry, at the airport, um, order the Diet Coke, a can of the mini can of Pringles and a Snickers. Yes. Like, <laughs> that's my good. I'm glad that I'm glad that I am part of, of the general populace who is seeking those comfort um those comfort things because every time I'm traveling that's what I'm interested in getting that's um, you're the norm which is wonderful isn't it <laughs> yes yeah it's so interesting I just I, I had to think that you had some interesting insight um because I do I do think our behavior uh when we travel in at airports is very interesting um I think I mean I think human behavior is interesting in general but I just I back when back when I could travel internationally I thought about that often based off of the different cafes and restaurants you see in airports and just, I wanted some insight. So it's fantastic. Um, Shirley, that covers all of the things that I was super interested in chatting with you about for food services. Do you have any, any last things you wanna leave our listeners with? 
Uh, no, I, I, I think we've, you know, we've covered a lot of things. And I mean, if anybody wants to reach out to me, they certainly can um, ask questions, send me an email. It's, I, I, I guess I'll just add that nothing's easy. You have mm -hmm. to work at it. it. It doesn't, you know, our, our increase in, in sales, volume, food um, hasn't come easy. We've worked hard at it. And I, I guess I will also add that one of the things that we do is we offer all of our team members any items that are made in-house, they do get a really nice discount because that mm. does keep your food fresh. Oh, that's awesome. I, mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate that. Um, I can include in the description of this podcast. Uh, so if you're listening right now, you can look below um, a link to the Britannia Mine Museum's website. Um, and I can include your email address, Cheryl, if you're all right with that, or I'm sure your email address is on the website if people are interested in getting a hold of you um, so that people can, can ask you more. And I wanna thank you so much for joining us and chatting with us about food services. Well, you're very welcome. And thank you for having me as a guest. Thank you.